Hello, my name is Michael Boykin. This is All Theology is Christology, and this is episode number five. Tonight I would like to talk about the relationship of the mystery of the Incarnation as it pertains to God the Father. Now this is the third of uh, a series I have been preaching on for the last uh, oh, three weeks during the midweek Advent services. And I thought for today I would just go over some of the things I was going to share with them or going to share with them this coming Wednesday. We have heard about how the Son and the Holy Spirit participated in the mystery of the Incarnation. Those are the previous episodes. So it is time to hear about the Father. Each person of the Trinity participates in the work outside the Trinity, sometimes called the economic trinity, as opposed to the ontological trinity. There are no solo acts in God's work of creation and redemption, but they work in different roles or, or ways. In other words, all three persons participate in creation. All three persons participate in our salvation. And this is made clear in Scripture because you have references made to each person of the trinity participating in those. Now, they do it in different roles. For instance, God sends his Son. The Son becomes incarnate. And the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, uh, which creates faith, usually what we call through the means of grace, that is through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments of Christ. Jesus was chosen by the Father to be our Savior before creation. And let me begin by having a couple of touchstones, because these are important. Uh, it's where I come from. It's about Christ. It also tells us something about the very nature of God himself, or at least how I see God, and I hope you see God in the same way. We don't have this vision of God like in Jonathan Edwards, where the sinner in the hands of an angry God, where he uses the analogy of a spider hanging by a web over a flame. Uh, that's not the God that I know. It's not the God that's revealed in Scripture. For instance, God desires all people to be saved. Let me repeat that. God desires all people to be saved. God does not delight even in the destruction of the wicked. Uh, that's important to understand. God wants us to have everlasting life and salvation. God is not against us. God is for us. It says, in, for instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, and here we usually take the, the term God our Savior as referring to God the Father. This was used, this same phrase was used in the very beginning of Timothy, and it's clear here that it's speaking about God the Father, so I can translate it this way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Father, who is our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. That's 1 Timothy 2.4. Uh, we also see this, God's desire for our salvation, 
in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He, meaning God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God gave his son up for us all. He did not spare his son. How will he not also, Scripture says, graciously give us all things with him? In him and with him are all things, eternal life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. All those things come in Christ Jesus. God was so uh, insistent, had such a desire for us to be saved that he did not even spare his own son. And God had planned this out, according to Scripture, even for before the creation of the world. This was God's plan. Now, he did not make Adam and Eve sin. Right? God does not participate in sin. God does not make people sin. God does not tempt people with sin. Right? He doesn't do any of those things. Right? It says, for instance, God chose his son to be our Savior. That's 1 Peter 1.20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, meaning Jesus' birth and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. All these things were planned already before Adam and Eve were even created. It's also important to understand that it is God the Father that initiates this work of salvation, not man. Right? God didn't look down from heaven and say, oh, what a bunch of wonderful people, and I'm going to do this because they earn it or they deserve it. Just the opposite. Just the opposite, and I'll show you that in just a moment. In John 3.16, probably one of the most uh, well-known verses in the Bible. Uh, listen to what it says. For God, meaning God the Father, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that who believe, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God lo so loved the world. It was God's love for his creation, especially for those that were created in the image and likeness of God. That's all human beings. God so loved the world, in spite of all the bad things in the world and the sinfulness of the world and the fallenness of man and the hopelessness of man, God, out of his own love, not anything to do with us, gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the set time had fully come, God the Father sent his Son, born of a woman, this is the Virgin Mary, born under the law. That is, even though God was above the law, he kept the law for us. He was under the law for us. And then Romans 5, 8, a beautiful passage. But God the Father, 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to see the love of God, look at the cross. There on the cross, in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, God pours out his love for us. God reveals himself in the opposite sign, where you would expect to find God, where you would think God would be. Uh, God reveals himself, as I said, in the opposite sign. It's in suffering and death that we see the love of God for us. God initiates this. As I said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus tells us that the Father sends him. For instance, John 17, which is sometimes referred to as the high priestly prayer, Jesus talks about this. But I would like to call your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Paul writes, this is Paul the Apostle. Some believe that 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 are really the most important verses in the Bible. It's really the heart. When I talk about all theology as Christology, you can see it here. Paul says, all this is from God the Father the world, creation, salvation, everything, all this is from God the Father, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, that reconciled himself to God the Father, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God the Father was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, meaning the apostles, the message of reconciliation. What divided God from man, sin has now been taken care of and the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus bore all of our sins upon the cross. So that divide, those things that divide us, now we have been brought together with God. We, have, we are reconciled. We're, we are friends again with God because of this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God the Father, God the Father making his appeal through us. God is imploring through the apostles to be reconciled to God because God is now reconciled to us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, that is because of Christ's suffering and death upon the cross, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our righteousness is provided for us earned for us, achieved for us by the suffering and death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And that righteousness is offered to us through faith. 
that we believe in the promises of God. He who knew no sin. Now, this is a great mystery, right? It wasn't that just God and Jesus and his son, Jesus Christ, bore the sins of the world. It says, Paul says that he became not sins, but sin. As if though you could take all the sin that ever existed or will ever exist and nail it to the cross. And then in John 5, 19, and this is my closing statement. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Again, shows us that in creation and in salvation, God and his Son and the Holy Spirit all work together to achieve these things for us, to give life and salvation to us. So as we think about the mystery of the Incarnation, the Word became flesh. We think about God's participation in our salvation. I want to thank you, and uh, this is episode number four. hope to be talking to you soon in episode, episode number five. Uh, God be with you. And looking forward to speaking to you again.